All right, tonight, it's the book of Amos. Now, I know that we're supposed to be finishing chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 with observational reading. I know that's what we're supposed to do. I understand that's what we're supposed to do. However, everything got messed up because of today's uh, broadcast that I did. All right? And the broadcast I did today changed everything. All right? So, here we're going to go to Amos chapter 1. We're going to go to Amos chapter 1. Now, this may turn out to be a great idea. This may turn out to be a complete disaster. But either way, you know, once you start, you're kind of stuck, right? I can't get halfway through this and go, wait, this was a bad idea. Never mind. Forget everything I've said. I, I, we've just got to deal with whatever happens, okay? But there's going to be confusion. There is going to be disagreement. You can count on it. Just remember this, right? Just remember this. In so many issues pertaining to Scripture, there's always that, there's always a, I don't know what it is, there's this feeling within uh, the lives of many Christians to immediately try to jump to a dogmatic conclusion or a dogmatic assertion when in many cases you can't be so dogmatic because all it requires is for you to spend, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes looking and guess what you'll discover? That there isn't any way to be dogmatic because no one agrees on it. So if if you throw yourself out there as being dogmatic, you may then find yourself, wait a minute, why am I being so dogmatic when there's so many differences of opinions? Now you you may initially think, no, 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 I know this. All I'm asking is, Put it this way, entertain the questions. Does that make sense? Entertain the questions. Don't worry about trying to be defensive and trying to just immediately answer the question. We've got to entertain the question and see where we end up, and then we will try to try to figure this out. But this is what, uh, I started it last night, or yesterday, and I finished it today. We started, uh, in our Bible study of Amos, Remember, we're using what's called the Comprehensive Book Bible Study Method, which is a combination of four methods. The book background, book survey, chapter analysis, and book synthesis. We are, we've entered into the chapter analysis. Now, here for the church, we're still doing the observational reading, which is more of the survey portion. Um, but we obviously didn't have services at different times, so therefore we fell a little bit behind and, but but uh, I've had everyone on the Bible study exercise. I've already let everyone go ahead and move on instead of waiting for us. That, was, that sounded like a great idea, right? We could finish the observation. Everybody else is moving on to the chapter analysis. No big deal until I decided, you know what I'll do? I'll do a little chapter analysis on my own. So I decided to use J. Vernon McGee and started, and instead of, now they've given us permission to use our, our, their content any way we want, but I thought I'll play it and then kind of wor- use it and talk, kind of use it as a sounding board so that I can put forth some of my, my ideas to help people who are working on chapter one this week. I thought it was a great idea until today, <laughs> because today he made some statements that made me go, hmm, I think we may have a problem, or at least we have to be willing to entertain the idea that there could be a problem. Now, 
This is it. I know in most sermons and most preaching, you never let anyone know there's a possible problem, right? You just kind of like, hey, this is the answer, and you move on. In fact, the faster you can move on, the better, because uh, uh, you lessen the chance that anyone can disagree. And you know that's not my approach, right? My approach is, hey, there's possibly 600 problems here, and this doesn't make sense, and this doesn't make sense, and this doesn't make sense, and this doesn't make sense. And immediately when I start doing that, people have a tendency to kind of go, they get defensive. I'm like, no, 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 no. And it's like, calm down, calm down. It's okay to acknowledge that there's possible problems and that things don't make sense. People don't like that uncertainty, but sometimes there's uncertainty. Agreed? Mark 2.26, can we agree there's a lot of uncertainty there? Now, we, I started off by acknowledging all the possible uncertainty, and everyone remained relatively calm. And now, we still haven't finished it, but as we move forward, some of that uncertainty we took, we took care of, right? Yes? That's usually what happens if you'll just wait. <laughs> if you'll wait, sooner or later we'll work through it. But we've got to be willing to deal with it. I am not saying... That this is a, I, listen, I'm not going to say that this is a problem at this point. I'm not going to say it isn't a problem. What I'm going to say is we have to at least deal with it. And it goes back to our first observational reading. I believe it was Sarah Danzler who pointed out the tense that was being used. All right? In other words, is it future tense or is it past tense? And I raised, I said something along the lines, well, yes, for each one of these situations, we have to figure out when it happened, where it's recorded, and we have to ask some questions about that. I just kind of hinted at it. I didn't, I was never very dogmatic one way or the other, but I did appreciate that Sarah Dancer pointed that out, okay? So we were, that, we, that, we, but we moved on because we were doing what? Observational reading. We couldn't spend the time. So we moved on and moved on. Well, today, this becomes an issue. So are you ready? Amos chapter 1. Here we go. This is going to be hopefully, hopefully beneficial, I hope. Everybody ready? Okay, I'm I'm not hearing a lot of like, everybody's kind of like, I think I am, but I'm not really sure. Okay, I understand. I don't know if I'm actually ready either, but here we go. All right, I'm going to, I'm just going to open up a, I've got all kinds of documents. I've got notes everywhere. Here we go. Amos chapter one, verse one. The words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Now, The main thing we need to establish from verse 1. We can either try to establish it from verse 1. I'm not going to spend all the time trying to go through that because it would take a lot of time to try to pull it out. But here's here's the first question we need to answer tonight. All right? Everybody ready? What is the time frame of Amos' words? When did he speak these words that are recorded in the book of Amos. We just need to identify that. So you can do this a couple of ways. You could look up each one of these kings, figure out when they reign, and know that he's somewhere 
in, in between that. But you can use every uh, resource you have available to you and just look up, and you should have in your notes, well, it, it depends on if you're a part of our uh, book background study, but you can just look up and give us the dates, not for when the book was written, but for when Amos would have been ministering and speaking these words. All right? This may not be a problem at all. I'm trying to teach people that we have to be willing to at least consider a possible problem. If it's not a problem, we move on. All right? You tell me what dates you come up with for not only the writing, but at least when the, these, these, these words are being spoken in Amos. We've read a good portion of them. Okay? Okay? Give me a historical setting. Does it give a date? All right? So they have it during that reign, and they place it between 793 and 753. Okay? Do you have anything else? What do you have? All right, 782 to 740. All right. Okay, 782 to 740. All right. That, that's, a, that's a little bit of a range there, okay? And you'll see why this could be a problem here in a minute, okay? Yeah, what do you have, Sarah? Do you have anything? Okay. Okay, what do you have? Okay, we got 760. Then he says he must have written uh, the book sometime after this date, perhaps after returning home to Tekoa. Okay, so we have 760 possibly for the prophecy. Uh, and, and what was that, uh, the, the last date you had in yours, Bobby? 783 all the way down to what? 7, 740? 740, that's all the way to 740, okay. All right, uh, I have 750 and what I'm having. So, let's go, he prophesied somewhere between 783 and 740. Let's give us a range there, right? 783 to 740. Right? That gives us a little bit of range. All right? Is that, is that helpful? Okay? We have 783 to 740. Okay? Now, does anybody know why this, why this is important? Look at Amos chapter 1, verse 3. Okay, we have two years before the earthquake. The only problem is some sources say we know which earthquake that is. Other sources say we don't have a clue. <laughs> so that, that, that's, major pro, that's majorly problematic. So you're trying to place prophecies? Okay, like go to verse 3. What is, how does verse 3 begin? Okay, thus saith the Lord, and this is what the Lord says. For three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. This is a 
statement about Damascus going to be judged. Okay, everybody see that? Now, the question is, when does this event occur? Sarah pointed out that it is spoken of that it occurs where? Past or future? That it's spoken of in a future tense. So Amos speaks somewhere between 783 and 740, and sometime after that, this occurs. Right? That was what would be required for it to be prophecy. Everyone agree? So, if we go with that, then what would be the dates of possible fulfillment for this? Seven thirty nine, seven thirty eight, seven thirty six, seven thirty five, seven thirty four, seven thirty three. Right? Because BC, you're going backwards, right? Right? Okay. So it would be somewhere after that. Yes. So we got to figure out when does this occur. Well, guess what? There's some possible issues. Now, maybe there isn't an issue. Maybe there is. But so let's do this. Does, I'll just, I'm just going to read just from one, one study Bible, just to start, right? Just to start. For three transgressions for four. This is a rhetorical device, and it's repeated in each of the eight messages, differing from a similar pattern used elsewhere. These are specific mathematical enumerations, uh, emphasizing that each nation was being visited for an incalculable number of infractions. All right, so it's the idea with three or four. Like, it could be five, it could be 20, it could be 30. It's just, hey, there's plenty of reasons to bring judgment against you. All right, everybody understand that? All right. This judgment was to fall on Syria, because what is the capital of Syria? Damascus. Okay, everybody got that? So, you can go ahead and do this. If you have a Bible dictionary, look up Damascus. Tell me when you have an entry for Damascus. And also, if you have a study Bible that offers cross-references, go ahead and have those cross-references ready. All right. Everybody ready? Okay. Now, if you read the verse... For three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they, this is what they did. What did they do? Verse three. They threshed Gilead with implements of sharp iron. Everybody see that? Large threshing sledge, which when dragged over grain, would both thresh the grain and cut the straw. Gilead, located in the northeastern Golan Heights region of Israel, was vulnerable to Syria's cruel attacks. And they would tell us to look at 2 Kings. All right? Just stay with me. All right? This is very important. Okay? Then, what is mentioned next? Verse 4. So I will send fire upon the house of Hazel, and it will consume the citadels of Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad. So we got Damascus. We have Ben Hadad. Now, just in this study Bible that I have right here. Everybody ready? Ben Hadad, apparently a throne name meaning son of the god Hadad. Ben Hadad, too, was son of Syrian king Haziel, 841 to 801 BC. Okay. 
Okay? That's before, right? Immediately I stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? What's going on here? I, I got something. I got something. Then look at this. Uh, what after you have uh, the house of Haziel will consume the citadels of Ben-Hadad. Now, it's the citadels of Ben-Hadad. So maybe we don't just the names are not important. Maybe they are. OK, we'll see. Um, I will also break the gate bar of Damascus, cut off the valley inhabitant from the valley of Avon and and him who holds the scepter from Beth Aden. So the people of Aram will go exiled to Kerr, saith the Lord. All right? Now, we'll stop right there because the next it goes to Gaza. There's a lot of things supposedly happening right here, yes? Ben-Hadad, at least the name, is connected to, well, it's a throne name referring to someone who, between 841 and 801 B.C. Well, 841 and 801 B.C. comes before Amos. The sin occurred in the past. Definitely. Well, at least that's our, our theory. Okay, go ahead and tell me uh, anything about Damascus here that would give us dates. Tiglath Pod Leaser. Yeah. Responded by conquering Syria, overthrowing the Aramean dynasty, killing the Razim, and destroying Damascus. 732. Okay. All right, 732. Now that would fit, right? Yeah. 732 would fit. Just as the prophet Amos. Right. So, the, so the, all we need to figure out is why is the citadels of Ben Hadad mentioned? Right? Because Ben Hadad seems to be connected to a time that would be before. Does everybody see that? Okay, so look up Ben Hadad and just see if you uh, if you see anything. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying that we have to at least look at things. Is that yeah? Is that the name mentioned here? The citadels of Ben Hadad. I will send fire upon the house of Haziel, and it will consume the citadels of Ben Hadad. Let's just at least look at it. Let's at least look at it. Let's just look at it. Okay. All right, so that's good there. So please read that again. This is important. Because there's two people named with this name, two kings. It's not always it's not always possible to know exactly which one is referencing. Do we have the dates of the reigns of the two? Okay, 900 to 860, that's obviously before Amos. And Ben Hadad 2, it looks like it was right after, 860 through 843. All right, so neither, neither one of them help us. Okay, now, so 
so you see where, where we could possibly have an issue, right? Possibly. I'm not saying we do. Just stay. Okay. Oh, wait. We have the, we have, this one has three hey da- Ben Haydads? Oh, there's a third one? Where's the third one? Okay, that still, that still doesn't help us. All right, so all three are before. Right, it just says the palaces. I, I completely understand. But if we're saying, uh, in this prophesied... 783 to 740. So maybe seven. yeah, maybe like that. All right, does that make sense? Yeah. Huh. All right. Now, I'm not... Look, I'm, I, uh, Bobby's making a, a good point. Everybody remember. It just says that the, the palaces of Ben-Hadad are going to be burned. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but we have to at least ask the question, yes? Like once they're gone, do they still remain their palaces or we, we could at least ask the question. All right. Now, here we go. Ben-Hadad, apparently a throne name meaning son of Hadad. Ben-Hadad too was a son of Syrian king Haziel, 841 to 8, uh, 801 BC. Okay, go ahead. All right. The very last, very last sentence of this whole entry says, eventually the, quote, palaces of Ben-Hadad, Amos 1-4, in Damascus were destroyed by invading Assyrian armies just as the prophet Amos had predicted. Okay. So it doesn't give a date. doesn't give a date. But, well, if they, if they connect it to the Assyrian invasion, look, remember, go look up your entry for Damascus. It, yeah, it gives the date for that. All right. So we may, we may not have a problem. We may not have a problem because if it's destroyed during the Assyrian invasion, the Assyrian invasion happens after Amos makes his prophecy, so we don't have a problem. So far, so good? Possibly? Would everyone say yes? We agree on this? Okay. Now, all right, so maybe we've... So the Ben-Hadad reference... Ben-Hadad references how many kings? Three... All three reign prior to Amos, but it appears that palaces of Ben-Hadad are destroyed after Amos makes his prophecy, and it seems to be connected with the invasion of whom? The Assyrian army. All right, so far so good. And which king? Go back to your entry for Damascus. Go back to the, your, uh, your entry for Damascus, because it tells you which king. No, he's killed, but which king is bringing all this in? Tig- Tiglath-Pileser. Yeah, Tiglath-Pileser, right? Everybody see that? And what year? They have 732. They have 732. All right, let's just see if this works. Let's see if this works. Okay, so far so good. So you think, you think does everyone feel happy with the Ben-Hadad solution? What do we think? Yes? Do we, have, do we have uniformity here? Do we have agreement? The palaces are, the, are, are burned, right. So I think it's easy to... In other words, it doesn't create... There's, there's at least a plausible solution, yes? Now, as soon as you see the name, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got a problem here. These, these people are before, okay? But let's stay with it, all right? So, so far, so good? Next verse. I will break... 
the gate, of, uh, the gate bar of Damascus, cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Avon, and him who holds the scepter from Beth Eden, so the people of Aram will go exiled to Kerr. Everybody see that? All right, now, when does this, uh, or do we have any record of the fulfillment of this? Most people point to where for the fulfillment of this. Does anyone know? 2 Kings chapter 16. Okay, now, before we do anything, before we do anything, I was going to do this at the beginning, but that's okay. Number of times in, there's a number of occasions when we read about these judgments in chapter 1, everyone says the fulfillments are recorded in 2 Kings. Use your dictionary, use your Bible handbook, use your study Bible. Give me the dates for the events recorded in 2 Kings. Give me the dates for the events in 2 Kings. When did those events occur? All right. Tell me what you find. Let's see if we have universal agreement on this, okay? If you can't find it, I can give you some dates. You can use Bible dictionary. You can use anything. Study Bible, whatever you have available to you. Google, I don't care what you use. I don't care what you use. Look it up. Tell me when you find something. There's got to be some date somewhere. There's got to be something. Okay. Well, just take all the dates combined and just put them together. Got to have a starting point and an end point. I'll throw out a, a starting number. You can, if you find anything that contradicts it. You ready? 853 B.C. Now, as soon as I read 853 B.C., what should I uh, immediately do? At least get a little concerned, right? Because 853 is way before Amos comes along and offers his prophecy somewhere between when? 83 all the way down to 740, I think, is what we had, Right? That's a big gap, correct? All right. Now, but listen to this. Second Kings covers 853 all the way down to 561. Okay. What year? What year? Nine. 970. Now we we've even backed it up more. 970 all the way down to 586. 586, all right? But we can get to the, at least we can get to the 500s, right? We can at least get to the 500s. But where does this, why does this become a problem? 
This is the kind of problem you never talk about in church. It's the problem nobody talks about in small groups. Because guess what? That's a big time range, right? About how many years is that? I'm horrible at math. About 300 years, right? Okay, 300 years. Somewhere in the middle of that 300 years, Amos represents about how long? About 40 years out of 300. Now, that means whatever prophecy he gives that supposedly is fulfilled in 2 Kings, it has to be a part in 2 Kings that occurs after he speaks. Right? Everybody understand that? Now, what's the first major problem? What's what's the obvious problem that everyone should go, oh, I see why you're pointing this out. You're reading 2 Kings, you've got 300 years. Start, just, just thumb through 2 Kings. Do you, do you see dates being given for every chapter? No! Does everybody see that? Now, listen to me. Am I saying it's a problem? I'm saying there's a potential of a problem. And we have to at least acknowledge that, correct? Because we have Amos seeming to say these things will happen, but the fulfillment seems to always occur in a book that covers a time range that goes before he even comes on the scene. By what, a hundred years? That's a long time, right? That means there's a lot of content there that's talking about things. So if, it, if, it, if the fulfillment happens in that section... Well, we're in trouble. And, and we, okay, go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. And they, and they say, and what year did they date that? Uh, 722. 722. Okay. All right. 722. Okay, so, it, it, any, so let's go back to this. So I just want you to immediately see where there's a possible, I'm not saying there is a problem, I'm saying there's a possible problem because today when I was listening to J. Vernon McGee, he's like, oh, this is fulfilled in 2 Kings. This is fulfilled in 2 Kings. This is fulfilled in 2 Kings. Immediately my mind went, oh, wait a minute. Not everything in 2 Kings is before, is after Amos. Much, a lot of it is before Amos. So we have to try to, to at least consider it. All right? Here, here's, listen, before, while, you're, while you're looking, just take a minute and just listen to me. This is very important in biblical hermeneutics. There is one problem where you create a problem where there isn't a problem. You don't ever want to do that. But the second thing you don't ever want to do is ignore a question when you should ask the question. There's nothing wrong with asking this question and going, wait, because, why is this important? Because would this not drastically change how you interpret Amos? Remember, there's something you, listen, there's something unique about Amos that's different than the other books. The other prophetic books start with Israel and then bring, then talks about the judgment to the nations. Amos flips the, the script. He starts with the other nations, then goes to Israel. The other books, Israel first, then the other nations. Well, if he's starting with the other nations, 
Well, if these judgments already occur, then he's saying, hey, Israel, you see how all these other nations were judged? It's coming your way next. That would be, that would make it easy. Or, hey, all these other nations are going to be judged too. Oh, and, you, and Israel. But if none of it had happened yet, does that carry the same weight? Hey, those other nations are going to be judged. Yeah, have they? No? Okay, well then, right? That would, that would have a profound impact on how we read it. Now, it would still raise questions because the verbiage is, I will. I will, future tense, okay? So we at least have to deal with it. So let's go to this, this one that we just read, we just mentioned. Look at Amos chapter 1. All right. Look at uh, the uh, verse 5. I will break the gate bar of Damascus, will cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Avon, and him who holds the scepter from Beth Eden. So the people of Aram will go exiled to Ker. Most people believe this is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 9. So everybody go look at 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 9. Did y'all have a different reference? Oh, I thought I heard someone say, no. Okay, all right. 2 Kings 16, 9. Well, well yeah, if it was 1 Kings, we'd have some serious issues. Okay, all right. Second Kings, does that not sound just like? All right. Does that not sound exactly like uh, Amos? Uh, okay, do we know when this event occurred in Second Kings 16.9? Look, look at the verses before. Well, let, let's, let's just look at the context and see if it gives us clues. Let's try to determine it from the verse. Then we can look at some other things, all right? Okay, so Ahaz is alive. Which Ahaz is that? Look up Ahaz. Just look up Ahaz. Tell me what you find. What do we have? What do we have? What do we have? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. I know there's two. That's why I said which one. Okay. Do we know the dates of his reign? Beginning 735 to All right, that's good. This is good news, right? If he reigns from 735 to 715, it's after the prophecy. So far, so good. So Ahaz, are we sure we have the right Ahaz? Okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just... Uh, right, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. I'm making sure we're not we're not missing anything. All right. So this is before, right? I'm sorry. This is after. After. Okay. All right. 
So there's no problem with this one. Does everybody feel comfortable with it? What other thing would be here that would possibly give us a time frame? Do we have anything else here that would give us a time frame? Oh, no, I'm talking in Amos 1, verse 5. Anything else? The people of Aram will go exiled to Kerr. Yes, we know that's from 2 Kings 16.9. In 2 Kings 16.9, is there something else that, that happens other than going to exile to Kerr? Is something else mentioned in 2 Kings 16.9 other than just them going to exile to Kerr? Okay, slew resin. When does resin die? When does resin die? Right, well, look it up. Are you sure? Does, does, look up an entry for resin and see. I just want to verify, 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 verify. Verify, 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 verify. Okay. 732. All right. So we have the death, right? We have Ahab. We, what, what are the things confirming that this all happens after the prophecy? We have Ahaz mentioned. The destruction of Damascus or the invasion. Okay, the, the judgment on Damascus. The killing, of the, king. the killing of the king. So we got a number of points that can help prove this happens after the prophecy. Is everybody good with that? So, sounds good? All right. So the only thing that threw us off a little bit was which thing? Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad immediately threw us off because, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's before Amos, right? So that, that threw us off a little bit. But, but again, most of the time, people would not even raise the question, not even bring it. You got to learn to raise those questions because sometimes, sometimes you don't find an issue, but guess what you do discover? You now, can we have some certainty here that it seems that Amos is giving a prophecy of things that happened and mentioning real people and real things that occurred so it was all fulfilled in a literal way. That's, that's very important, right? Okay. All right, yes, okay. Now, let's go to verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they deported the entire population to deliver it up to Edom. So I will send fire upon the wall of Gaza and I will consume her citadels. All right, so let's stop right here. We've got judgment upon Gaza. Would everyone agree that that's mentioned right there? Okay, and that is verse six. Yes, okay. Now look up Gaza and just tell me what we find. Oh, is it verse seven? Oh, uh, Gaza's in seven. Let me look at that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Fire on the wall. Verse seven. I apologize. Verse seven. All right. Okay. All right. Tell me what you find here. Do we have anything about Gaza? Philistia, right? One of the five principal cities of Philistia, okay? Uh, 
Okay, Alexander the Great. Gaza was destroyed and her inhabitants massacred. Okay, 332 BC. So that's definitely after the prophecy, correct? And it has Alexander the Great, which is interesting. Now, that's important. That, that's, that's somewhat significant because we may not have an actual biblical reference to look up. Agreed? Yes? Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, it's not, it's not, he's not named, he's not, his actions are recorded in Scripture as prophecy. His name is not given, but uh, okay. Um, I'm going to look at something here. Uh, well, three something, not, maybe before, a little before that period. Okay. Um, so, uh, carried away captive. Um, now, this, this is a problem. I say, wait. Okay, now that's verse 6. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. Um, I was going to look here that there's an issue. Uh, do you got something? Okay. Okay, conquered it seven thirty. Okay, right. But then Alexander Right, and burned it. Does it say burned it? All right. Well, listen to this. Uh, Amos 1.7, But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, which shall devour the palaces thereof. An enemy that shall pull down and destroy the walls of it. This was fulfilled in the times of Uzziah, under whom Amos prophesied, and very likely in a very short time after this prophecy went out, and warred against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gaza. They point to 2 Chronicles 26.6. Go ahead and look it up, 2 Chronicles 26.6. That's a massive difference than what we just read, was it not? What do you have in 2 Chronicles 26.6? Okay, that's, that's... That doesn't say Gaza, does it? Right which is kind of interesting. All right. So I don't know why they would point to that as a possible fulfillment. Okay. Um, Then they say, or else in the times of Hezekiah, who smote the Philistines unto Gaza and the borders thereof, 2 Kings 18.8. Look at 2 Kings 18.8. Second Kings eighteen eight. All right, Second Kings eighteen eight. Now, uh, who is it referring to? Which you know, which king or which is the person who did it? Okay, they have the times of Hezekiah is what they have here. Do, okay, Hezekiah. All right, look up the years that Hezekiah reigned. Let's just see if this would fit if, if we go with this one. Let's just go if we go with this one. Oh, man, I can't believe we're almost out of time. We did not make it very far. That's okay. No, it's, it's just, 
I, this is just an exercise I wanted everyone to, to work on, just to, just to learn to be, when we're observing these things, we have to at least consider the possibility, wait, what's going on here? All right, so we don't have a problem. So even if it's Hezekiah, we don't have a problem. And then look where, look what they say next. Also in the times of Alexander the Great, who after he had taken Tyre, besieged Gaza, and after too much siege, took it. All right, so in other words, no matter which one you go with, all of them occur when? After Amos makes the prophecy, and guess what? It's fulfilled Literally, literally, that's, that's the main thing I want you to take away, literally, okay? So far, so good? Any problems yet? No? Everybody feels conf- confident? Okay, are you sure? <laughs> okay, all right. Verse 8, I will also cut off the inhabitants of Ashdod and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon, I will even unleash my power upon Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord. That's a number of places mentioned there, correct? All right. Yeah, I think Chronicles mentions some of those places, correct? All right. Do we have any possible dates for this? Well, I mean, there was a, we just named a whole bunch of places right there, right? Do we have a cross-reference anywhere for all of that? You see all of those? I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod. Everybody see that? All right. Um, and, I, and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. Everybody see that? And, I'll, and I will unleash my power upon Ekron. Everybody see that? Okay, Uh, and the remnant of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord God. This is obviously all this judgment coming upon the Philistines, correct? Do we have any possible dates? Well, I'll just read what we have here in in one commentary. The mention of Ashdod, Ashkelon, and Ekron, and the remnant of Philistines, let us know that the prophecy is directed against Philistia as a whole. Their crime was taking of a whole population captive and delivering it over to Edom. Fills in the details that Amos, uh, Joel uh, fills in the details that Amos prophecies lacks. We know what they did. They took these people and basically sold them. Okay. Ashdod was a city about 35 miles from Gaza. The Philistines had been a strong enemy of Israel and Judah. They were an idolatrous people. Ashtaroth was the most prominent false god. Samson won great victories for Israel over the Philistines. God had ample reason to destroy them. We see again, saith the Lord, Ashkelon was a city near Gaza. Ekron was a city about 11 miles from Bath. All these were Philistine cities. God is taking vengeance himself for the Israelites. Guess what they don't provide us? No dates, no cross-references, okay? None. Go Go ahead and look up Ashdod real quick and just see. It doesn't? No, it'd be part of... Philistine. Philistine. Or Philistia? Okay, yeah. So, you're saying when Gaza fell? Right. Uh, which cities were named again in Second Chronicles 26? Because Bobby mentioned that. 
Okay. I think it was 26. Uh, uh, in, uh, this book says in 713, Sargon, the second king of Assyria, invaded Philistia and conquered Ashdod. Okay. The following year, he launched another campaign against uh, other Philistine cities. 716 to 686, attacked Gaza. Uh, Designation Ash Ashkelon or Ekron? Supported uh, by the people of Ekron and Ashkelon. But in 701, Sennacherib brought Philistine territory under his control to prevent any additional influence. Okay, all of that, though, is after. All of that's after. Okay. All of that's after. All right, so we don't have it. So that gives us at least historical context. We don't have a biblical reference, but we have it in the historical record. Did you have something in Second Chronicles? 26 says, uh, and he went forth, we're talking about Uzziah. Okay. And warred against the Philistines, broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jabna, the wall of Ashdod, and built cities about Ashdod among the Philistines. Okay, so it doesn't name all of them, but we have there. Now, do we know the dates for that? <laughs> that one, that would be a little bit more problematic. That one would be a little bit more problematic. It said, um, kind of finishing up after this stuff. It said, it, or it, it could, be, yeah. Okay, go ahead. When Nebuchadnezzar came to power in Babylon, the Philistines formed an alliance with Egypt. But when the Jews were exiled to Babylonia between 597 and 586, the Philistines too were deported. No okay. Philistine literature yeah, all, all of those dates are after Amos, so, okay. The, the Uzziah one would be a little bit, it, it, I mean, it's close. And remember that one, the one commentary said that it could, like, literally, this prophecy could have been given almost as the time it was being fulfilled. Like, almost literally at the time, especially if you go with the Second Chronicles. This says that Ekron was the last fortified city was totally destroyed by Sennacherib during 701. Okay, well, so then that's, that's at way after. Okay. All right. So no problem with that. Everybody agree? All right. Then the next one is Amos 1.9. I'll just read this one and we'll stop. Amos 1.9. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they delivered up an entire population to Edom and, I, and did not remember the covenant of the brotherhood. So I will send fire upon the walls of Tyre and will consume her citadels. Guess when this happens? Tyre, everyone should know the story of Tyre. Remember how uh, the prophecy in the Bible is so crazily precise? And I, I knew about the, pro I knew the destruction of Tyre, not from church and not from Bible college. I knew about it from history class in school. Because when you learn about the destruction of Tyre, it's insane. Remember, the city was on land, right? I think it was Nebuchadnezzar who came and tried to capture the city. All the people, guess what they did? They took parts of the city, made a causeway out into an island, and made like a fortress in the island, and that's where Tyre was. Well, guess what? Alexander the Great comes, and guess what he does? He takes the remaining of the old city, pushes it into the ocean, makes a causeway, comes in and burns and destroys Tyre, just basically as the Bible gives prophecy of. It's absolutely crazy. I think the prophecy of the destruction of Tyre is either in Ezekiel or in Zechariah. Can't remember which one. They describe it, and it's very. And what was crazy? The first time I saw it in the Bible, I was like, "That sounds just like what I heard in history class." It's like that crazy. But that happens in like three thirty-three, three twenty-six BC, which is 
way after Amos offers his. Yeah, it's just crazy the way the, st- the story is just so crazy. But 332, 332. So we have no problem with this one. We have no problem with this one. All right, so we have to stop. What are the ones we've looked at? The first one was Damascus, so that's a judgment upon whom? Syria, right? The second one was judgment upon whom? Right, the Philistines, right? Because that goes from verse 6 all the way down to verse 8, right? That's all Philistia. That's all the Philistines, right? Agreed? Right? Then the third is Tyre, right? And that goes from what verse to ver- what verse? 9 and 10. And then the next one starts with? Edom. Okay. Right? We got all of that? So, just p- please note, the, what should have been the first clue that something could possibly be wrong? What's the first clue that something could possibly be wrong? As soon as you hear someone say, the, it, it w- the fulfillment is recorded in 2 Kings, that should make you pause. Why should it make you pause? Because 2 Kings covers all the way from, what, 853, maybe even all the way 890, all the way down to 5-something, all right? That's a big period of time. So if I have a fulfillment, now, what's our typical way of handling it? Our typical way is, well, it says future, so it has to be future. No, we always have to be concerned, is there a possible problem, right? So, and then what's the next thing that could occlude us in that there's a possible problem? The first one is, wait a minute, the the people are pointing to 2 Kings as a possible fulfillment. What's the second possible thing that should have alerted us? It's in Amos. Ben-Hadad. Right? As soon as we saw that name, we're like, oh, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? Okay? So, but did we find, what did we use to find answers? Well, we used the text first to find people mentioned. Then we went and tried to find the historical information to confirm when they lived, making it very possible that, okay, the dates are out. Because some of them have to be, Right? Okay, so, so we have that. So we at least eliminated that. So how many more do we have left in chapter 1 to look at? How many more judgments? Just two more left, right? Uh, what were the two? Edom? Uh, Edom and Ammon. Those are the last two, right? And then once we're done with those two, then we go to chapter 2. All right? So... I guess the, what would be, what would be a, probably the most practical question we can end with tonight based off what we've looked at? We've looked at some hermeneutical principles, but from a practical standpoint and trying to know why is Amos throwing out all of these prophecies to start his prophecy? Because ultimately his prophecy is to whom? Israel. Yeah. I know. So it's, it's kind of odd, right? Hey, guys, all of these nations are going to be judged. But at the time he's saying it, nobody has. That's weird, right? Because I would want some like, remember when that happened? 
That's what I would want to be able to bring them. I don't want to bring them, hey, all of this is going to happen. Yeah, who cares, right? But what is, do you think there may be some spiritual significance in doing it that way? I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it here and see if you can, and, I, and everyone listening online, see if you can find it because I think it's interesting. Remember when, I believe it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees asking for a sign? Right? Asking for a sign? And didn't he say if they won't hear the prophets? If they won't hear the prophets. Does anybody know where that verse is? If they won't hear the prophets. Am I, am, I, am I quoting it correctly? Just see if you can find it really quick. If they won't hear the prophets. Something along those lines. Or you could just, if they won't hear the prophets. See who can find it first. And someone listening online, if you can find it first. All right, because we're six minutes after, so we got to stop. Let's just see if I can find, if I can, if I memorize, if I have, I'm, I don't have it memorized, if I remember correctly. They won't hear the prophets. Does anybody know which, what, what I'm referring to? I, I heard some initial, like, yeah. Does anybody know? Luke 16.31. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone raises from the dead. That's pretty interesting, right? Instead of bringing them a sign of that which has happened, he simply brings them the words of a... Are the words of prophecy, right? In a sense, the words of our... He's being utilized as a prophet, and he's not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but he's being used as a prophet, right? He, he's bringing them... This, what? Luke 6, 16.31? Yeah, okay. Right? All right, so think about it. He, he, he's getting ready to bring words of judgment to whom? Israel, right? Okay, and he gives them the words of a prophet. Those words should indicate, man, judgment's coming all over the place. Now, once they hear judgment's coming upon them, they should take it seriously. But if you won't, but so instead of bringing them a sign, he brings them the word. And if they won't listen to the word, that's always a problem, is it not? Yes? In other words, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, he gives them a little prophecy right there. Yeah, they give a little prophecy. But they wanted, they wanted something else. They wanted something else. Or am, I, am I missing it? Or, or does everybody agree? Now, I'm not saying that's... Look, I am not being dogmatic that, that why it's happening. It's just weird. The order is reversed. And when the order is reversed, my first thought is, well, okay, he's bringing them things that have happened. That would make sense to me, right? Hey, guys, you see, look at all the nations. See, oh, that place is burning. That place is burning. Those walls are destroyed. Oh, man. No, no, no. He's bringing them prophecy of that which 
will happen. He's not bringing them a sign of something that has happened. So either they will believe his word or they will reject his word. And guess how it typically works for us? We will either believe the word or we will reject the word because what do we not get? Do we get signs and wonders proving it? No, we don't. Now, even though charismatics try to claim that they are, typically they're proven to be fraudulent and false. I think that's somewhat interesting. But we'll check the dates for each one to see if there is a problem. I just think the order being reversed is so odd to me. It's just so odd. All right, any questions? Or are you looking up something? Are you looking up something? Oh, you think there's another one? Okay. That verse 31, it says, he said to him, the reference he is to Abraham. Right. Okay. Okay, no, I just want to make, I want to make sure. If you don't think that one works, we can definitely look for another one. But I think Jesus is, the point Jesus is making, if they won't listen to that, then... In other words, if you're not going to hear the word, you're not going to believe even if you were given a sign. Right? And we know why. Why is it that uh, even a sign won't work? That our depraved hearts won't believe the word or a sign unless God opens our heart and minds to it. All right? Does that make sense? In other words, depravity cannot be overcome the, the deadness of our spiritual, or the deadness of our spirit cannot be made alive by merely a sign or a wonder. Right? We, may, we may be drawn to the sign for sake of the sign or its benefit, but it doesn't mean we truly believe. Because there were plenty, plenty of people following Jesus around because of his signs and wonders, right? And they all walked away. Because signs and wonders don't change. Right, look, did Israel see plenty of signs and wonders? Yeah. What did they do over and over and over? Turn to idols. Okay. All right. We'll we'll pray. We'll pray real quick. Lord God, we come before you this evening. Thank you for an opportunity to work through these questions and try to determine if there was a problem or not a problem, but make us more aware of how to answer and ask these questions so that we're better equipped not to be deceived or manipulated with someone misusing a text. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...